Hi, welcome to the Holes of Mark podcast show. And today is the ancient sacred sites of Wales. Molu Taya Yushasha Stone Cycle. Or M-O-E-L-T-Y-Y-C-U-C-H-A-F. With its Jurassic coastlines and mountains, Wales is the most be- one of the most beautiful places in the world. Besides its natural beauty, Wales is a land of ghosts, dark legends and unexplained phenomena. Now it's time to shed light on the remarkable prehistoric site shrouded in mystery. There are well-known stone cycles in Wales, are much smaller than in England, but just as mysterious. One of these significant sites is Yarmini Harari, Y-M-E-I-E-M-E-I-N-I-H-I-R-I-O-N, the Druid Circle, above the town of Penmarenmara, P-E-N-M-A-E-N-M-A-W-R. Moltayufrith, M-O-R-M-O-L-M-O-E-L-T-Y-U-C-H-A-F, North of Ludwigro, L-L-A-N-R-I-O-O-O, Denbigshire, D-E-N-B-I-G-H-S-H-I-R-E, is another fantastic site has been a must-see when in the area. Bronze Age archaeological site on the slopes of Caper Benwin, Cade, yeah, Cadio Benwin, C-A-D-E-R-B-E-R-W-Y-N, is a famously perfect cane circle in the area so-called Welsh Roswell. Incident took place on the 23rd of January 1994. Illuminous light Anonymous lights were seen both in the sky and on the mountainside and on that night and high radiation readings were later attained at Stone ancient stone circle. The circle was set in the summit of a hill overlooking the valley of the Dee, just south of C-Y-N-W-Y-N-D, on the B-4401 to Larindro, L-L-A-N-D-I-D-R-I-L-L-O. Parking available in a car park is free in the village. The site is not signposted, so you need to turn left from the car park Walk into the Seedon Wall and you'll be a footpath sign. Keep left up a narrow lane past some houses. Take the road until you pass through a gate, and there you have about a mile to walk to the road, which passes through woodland before merging into open fields. Sheep graze. Go through a gate, remembering to shut it firmly behind you, and keep going up the farm track. There's a fault. Say to the right. Take 
It will take you to another closed gate, which <coughs> has a warning notice attached to it, stating that this is SS1, <coughs> SSI, Special Scientific <coughs> Extras Area, and that motorcycle, uh, motor vehicles are prepared to go in this point. <coughs> and dogs barking in the background, sorry about that. Location of the stone cycle. Model KSUU. Highest house on the bare hill. It's a stone cycle roughly 12 metres in diameter, consisting of approximately 40 stones, all around 1 metre in height. It's situated atop of a, um, a hill along the edge of the Benwin Mountains, with spectacular views stretching out towards Lodo Lido Oda River D. Benwin Mountains run southwest to northwest across central north Wales, separating Shropshire from the Snowdon Sodania National Park. It's very beautiful, unspoilt, a relatively unknown area of upland. The isolation of this area has to offer is unforgettable. In what in what when you access out into the main ridge of the summits most days you you may you will meet very little people. Mara Sevilla is an unusual site which may have been a burial or ritual function. There have also been no misquotes of paranormal activity happening in this area which attracts UFO enthusiasts visit the place. Benwin Mountains have a long history of human inhabitation. Prehistoric man lived and worshipped on the mountains leaving behind a drastic rural landscape in which many strange beliefs have been attached. Local folklore tells us that these three peaks these peaks have been haunted by a multitude of aerial phenomena, including the spectral hounds of hell. Whilst the south at L-L-A-N-R-H-A-E-D-R dash Y-M-O-C-H-A-H M-O-C-H-N-A-N-T The villages are once plagued by flying dragons. Contemporary paranormal puzzles abound too. Besides UFOs include phantom bombers, ghosts and lake monsters. The region is also the lair the most famous of the mysteries, the alien big cat. Welsh words well. UFO believers claimed aliens crash-landed in the Bodrin mountain range. The government secretly moved dead extraterrestrial bodies. The government is said to have covered up the 1994's event, with scores of residents reported a massive tremor, strange lights in the sky, and secret servicemen in black scouring the area, being dubbed the Welsh Roswell after the US case in which aliens were allegedly found by authorities in the New Mexico. In 2010, official Ministry of Defence documents were released that many news outlets claimed disproved any claims of UFO sightings. The official explanation, a meteorite burning up in the atmosphere, happening consolingly at the same time as a probable earthquake on the landside. This is a bit of a doozy of coincidence. Also, a large fire was actually just flashlights or poachers in the mountains. The events spawned a cascade of rumours, of course. Now, the strange thing about the Welsh Roswell UFO sighting is the sheer number of inconsistencies. 
between the official report and witness reports, including the official logs of the GYNEDD police, Grindinia police. According to the Ministry of Defence, the RFA search and search and rescue team that scrambled in response found no sign of wreckage, including no impact had ever occurred. Strange then that multiple witnesses and a police log reported a strange object hovered around the mountains when then large, then a fire, big explosion, and massive tremor on the mountainside at exact time and location of the non existent impact. It may be easy, it may have been easy. It would have been easier that had it had it been a crashed military plane, not necessarily an alien spaceship. Spaceship. We'll never know. Despite the best efforts to curb public expectation, speculation, the Berlin Mountains incident, Berwin Mountains incident remains a mystery to this day. Welcome, my friends, to manuscript. Found in a bottle by Edgar Allan Poe. Of my country and of my family, I have little to say. I will usage the length of years have driven me from the one and estranged me from the other. Heresy wealth afforded me an education of no common order, and a competitive turn of mind enabled me to memorize the stalls, which early study very digitally covered up. Beyond all things, the works of the German moralists gave me great delight, not all from any ill-advised admiration or their eloquent madness, but from the ease with which my habits of rigid thought enabled me to detest their falsibilities. I had often been reproached for the aridity of my genius, the deficiency of the paralyticism of my opinions, has all, at all times rendered me notorious. Indeed, a strong relish for physical philosophy has, I fear, tinctured my mind with a very common error of this age. I mean the habit of referring occurrences, even least susceptible, least susceptible of such reference to the principles that, of that science upon the whole no person would be less liable than myself to be led away from severe precincts of truth. But the English fidelity is sufficient. I have thought proper to the premises thus. Much least the improper, incredible tale I have to tell through the considered rather than the raving of a cool imagination than the positive experience of a mind to which the remedies of fancy have been a dead letter and a nullity after many years spent in the foreign travel. I had sailed a year in the year 18 from the port of Bavaria into the rich and populous land island of Java on a voyage to the archipelago of the Sunday Islands. I went to Tapashina, having no more other inducement than a kind of nervous restlessness which haunted me like a fiend. Our vessel was a beautiful ship of about 400 tons, copper fastened and built as Bombay of Malabar Tink. She was frigated with long, with cotton wool and oil, and from the Lactuvia Islands we had on board coil, jerky, glee, 
coconut, coconuts, and a few cases of opium. The stowage was clumsily done, and a vessel completely clank. We got underway with a mere breath of wind, and for many days stood along the eastern coast of Java, without any incident of a gold or commodity of our course. The occasional meeting with some of the small garbs of the Yakapillo, which we were bound, one evening, leaning over the turret lift, I observed a very singular isolated cloud to the northwest. It was remarkable as well as its colour, for as for as from it being the first we have been since our departure from Bolivia, I watched it attentively until sunset, when it spread at all once to the eastward and westward glittering in the horizon with a narrow strip of vapour, and looking like a long line of low beach. My notice was soon towards attached by the dusky red appearance of the moon and the peculiar character of the sea. The latter was going going of rapid change, the water seemed more than unusually transparent, although I could distinctly see the bottom yet having the lead. Yet I found the ship in fifteen firms. The air now became intolerably hot and was loaded with sparrowing inhalations similar to those arising from heated iron. As the night came on, every breath of wind died away, and more entire calm it is impossible to conceive. The flame of the candle burned upon the Pope without the least perceptible motion, and long hair held between the finger and thumb hung without the possibility of detecting a vibration. However, as the captain said, we could perceive no indication of danger, as we were drifting in boldly to the shore, he ordered the sails to be furled, and the anchor let go. No watch was set, and the crew, consisting of Percy and Malays, stretched themselves deliberately upon the deck. Upon deck. I went below, not without a full precedent of evil. Indeed, some, every, indeed, every appearance warranted me. In the apprehending in Sunderland, I told the captain my fears, but he paid no attention to what I said, and left me without denying to give a reply. My uneasiness, however, prevented me from sleeping, and about midnight I went upon deck. As I placed my foot upon the upper step of the companion ladder, I startled with a loud humming noise. I was startled by loud humming noises, noise like the occasional that that occasioned by the rapid revolution of a windmill. I, and before I could research its meeting, I found the ship cribbing to its centre. In the in, the next instant, the wilderness of foam flow, hurried up, hurled us over upon our beam ends, and rushing o- over us before up, swept the entire decks from stern stem to stern. Extreme flurry of the blast proved in a great measure to the salvation of the ship. Though completely waterlogged, yet all her, her masts had gone by the board. She rose and after a minute, heavily from the sea and staggering a while beneath the immense pressure of the tempest, finally righted. 
By what miracle I escaped destruction is impossible to say. Stunned by the shock of the water, I found myself upon recovery, jammed upon the stern post and rudder. With great difficulty I gained my feet, and looking dizzily around, was at first struck with the idea of, of being among breakers, breakers so terrific beyond the wildest imagination was the whirlpool of mountainous and foaming ocean within which we were engulfed. After a while I heard the voice of an old Swede, who was shipped with us at the moment of our leaving port. I hallooed at him with my almost strength, and presently he came ringing aft. I soon discovered that we were the sole survivors of the accident. All on board, the exception of ourselves, had been swept overboard, and the captain and mates must have perished as they slept. The cabins were deluded with water, deluged with water. Without assistance, we could we could expect to do little for the security of the ship, and our extensions were assertions were at first paralysed by the mighty expectation of going down. Our cabin cable, of course, parted like pack thread at the first breath of the, of the hurricane, or should we have been instantly overwhelmed. We scoured with frightful velocity before the sea. The water made clear breaches over us. The framework of our stern was shattered extensively, and in almost every aspect we had received considerable injury. But we were, to our extreme joy, we found the pumps unchoked. We had made no great shifting of, of our ballast. Main fury of the cinema had been already blown over, and we apprehended little danger from the violence of the wind, but we looked forward to its total cessation for dismay, well beyond believing that in our shattered condition we could inevitably perish in the tremendous swell which would ensue, but this very just separation seemed to be no, by no means likely to be very soon verified for five entire days and nights during which only substance was of a small quality jengery, precluded from a great difficulty from the forecourse of a whole crew at the rate defining compulsion rather rapidly succeeding floors of wind, which, without equaling the first violence of its doom, was still more terrific than any tempest I had before encountered. Our course for the first few day, four days was a trifling variation of S.E. and by south. We must have run down the coast of New Holland. On the fifth day, the cold became extreme, although the wind had held round a point more to the northward. The sun arose of his thickly yellow luster and clambered on a few light. The sun arose with a sickly yellow luster and clambered up by a few degrees from the horizon, emitting no desisted light. There were no clouds, however, apparent by the yet the wind was upon them to increase, and blew a fitful and unsteady fury. About noon, as nearly as we would guess, our intention was again arrested by the appearance of the sun. It gave out no light, probably so called, but a rather dull and sudden glow, unnecessary by any ray. 
just before sinking within the turbulent sea, its central fires suddenly went out, as we hardly extinguished by some incantable power. It was dim, silver-like rim up alone, as if it rushed at the infallible ocean. We waited in vain for the arrival of the sixth day, that day for me had not arrived. This we never did arrive, the fate that hence put forward. We all were shrouded in deep darkness. To what to that we could not have seen in an object at twenty paces from the ship. Eternal night continued to envelop us. All unraveled in the phosphotic sea brilliance to which we had been accustomed to in the tropics. We observed too that, although the tempest continued to rage with unbraided violence, it no longer to be discovered the usual appearance of surf or foam which had hitherto grounded attended us. All round was horror and thick gloom, and uh, black sweltering desert of ebony. Suspicion and terror grew kept by degrees into the spirit of the old Swede, and my soul was wrapped in silent wonder. We had neglected all care of the ship we worse than useless, and screwing itself as well as possible to the slump of the mizzen mast. Like we looked out bitterly into the world of the ocean, we had no means of calculating time, nor could we form any guess of our situation. We were, however, well aware of having made further to the south west than any previous navigators, and felt extreme amazement at not meeting with the usual impediments of ice. In the meantime, every movement treated to threatened to be our last, every mountainous bellow tarried to overwhelm us. The swell surpassed anything I'd imagined possible. That was not instantly buried as a miracle. Instantly buried as a miracle. I, my companion spoke of the lightness of our cargo and reminded me of the qualities of our ship, but I could not help feeling the utter hopelessness of hope itself and prepared myself gloomily for the death. I ought nothing, I ought nothing could deter beyond an hour as... If every way the ship made, the swelling of the dark central black suspenders seas became more participatory repelling, but at times we glanced a better and elevation beyond the albatross. At times we became dizzy with the evolution of our descent into into some watery hell, where the air grew stagnant and no sound disturbed the slumbers of the kraken. We were in the bottom of one of these abysses when a quick scream from my companion broke fearfully from the night. See, see, he cried he, shrieking in my ears. Almighty God, see! As he spoke, I became aware of a dull, sulky glare of red light which streamed down the sides of the vast chasm where we lay and threw a fight for brilliance upon our deck. Casting my eyes upwards, I beheld a spectacle which froze the current of my blood. As the terrific height directly above us, and upon the very verge of the precipitous descent, hovered a gigantic ship of nearly 4,000 tons, although it reared from the summit of the wave more than a hundred times her altitude. Apparent size still it succeeded that of any ship, the line of Easter Indian existence. A whole, huge hole was a dark, dingy black, 
unrelieved by any of the customary carvings of a ship. A single row of brass cannon protruded from open ports and dashed off from their polished surfaces the fire of innumerable battle lanterns which hung spun to the through and fro about her rigging, but that what made me inspire us with horror and astonishment was that she bore up under pressure cell in the very teeth of the supernatural sea, and that of a gumble hurricane. When we first discovered her, suspended bells were alone to be seen. As she rose up like a demon of the deep, slowly from the dim and horrible gulf beyond her, from a moment of intense terror, she paused upon the giddy principle as its compilation of her own servility, then trembled and trotted and, um, and came down. At that instant, I knew not what sudden self-possession came over my spirit, staggering as far as I could. I waited fiercely. The ruin was to overwhelm. Our own vessel was at length ceasing from her struggles and sinking with her head to the sea. The shock of the descending mass struck her constantly in, in that portion of her frame, which already underwater. The inevitable result was to hurl me with destructive violence from the rigging of the stranger. As I fell, the ship heave, hove in stays and went about to the confused ensuing of refrigerated from escape from, from the notice of the crew. With little difficulty, I made my way up unperceived to the main hatchway, which was partly open, and soon upon soon found an opportunity of secreting myself in the hold, which why can I what why I did so I can hardly tell, and the this indefinite sense of awe, which at first sight of the navigators of the ship had taken hold of my mind, perhaps the principle of my concealment. I was unwilling to trust myself for a race of people who had not offered to the to, to the glassy to cause glance I had taken. So many points of vague novelty, doubt and apparition. I therefore upon proper to contrive a hiding place in the hold. This I did by removing a small portion of surfacing boards in such a manner as to form me to retreat between the huge timbers of the ship. I had scarcely worked my way when a footstep in the hold forced me to make use of it. A man passed passed by my place of concealment, a feeble and steady gaunt. I could not see his face, but 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 an opportunity observing his general appearance, this was about the evidence of great ape and divinity. His knees trotted beneath a load of ye- a load of years, and his tight frame quivered under the burden. He muttered to himself a low, broken tone, some words of a language which I did not understand, and groped into a corner among a pile of singular-looking instruments and clay charts and application. His manner was a mild mixture privilege of a suggestive children, a sovereign dignity of a god. He at length went on deck, and I saw him no more.
a feeling of which I had no name, has taken possession of my soul. A sensation will remit to no analysis, to which the lessons bygone are adequate, which I fear for eternity itself will offer me no key. For mine constituted like my own, the latter consideration is an evil. I shall never, I should know that I shall never be satisfied with regard to the nature of my conceptions. It is not wonderful that these conceptions are infinite, since they have their origin, origin in sources of so utterly novel. A new sense, a new entity is added into my soul. It's long since I have trod the deck of this terrible ship, and rays of my destiny are, are I think, coming to focus incorrectful men, wrapped in the medications of a kind which I cannot divine. It passed me by unnoticed. Concealment is under folly on my part, for the people do not see, will not see. It was but just now that I passed directly before their eyes of the mate. It was long, not, no long while ago I ventured into the captain's of my own private cabin. I took hence the materials which I write, and have written, I shall have time to time continue this journal. It is true that I do not find an opportunity of transmitting it to the world, but I shall not fail to promote the endeavour. At the last moment I will enclose the MS in a bottle and cast it within the sea. An incident has occurred which has given me a new room for med- meditation. Each for such things and operations of the governed chance, I ventured upon deck and thrown myself down without attracting any notice. Among a pile of reverend style and old sails in the bottom of the yard, while musing upon the certainty of my fate, I inwardly doubled an astonished blush the edges of a neatly folded studding sail, which lay, lay near me on the barrel. The studding sail was now bent upon the ship, and the thoughtless touches of the brush I spread out the word discovery. I made any observations. I have made many observations lately upon the structure of the ship. Though well armed, she is not, I think, a ship of war. Her rigging, built, and general equipment are all negative of suppression of this kind. Why is she not? I can what what she is not. I cannot perceive what she is. Fear what she is. I fear it's impossible to say. I know not how it is. The scrutiny of her strange model and singular cast of spires. Her huge size and overgrown suits of canvas, her extremely simple bow, equated stern, will occasionally flash across my mind to sensation of familiar things. It is always mixed up with such intensive shadows of recollection and uncountable memory of an old foreign chronicles and ages long ago. I have been looking at the timbers of the ship. She is built of the material which I am a stranger. There is, there is a particular character about the wood which strikes me as rendering it unfit for the purpose to which it was applied. I mean its extreme properties considered independently of the worm-eaten condition which is a conscience of navigation in these area seas. Apart from the rottenness of tension upon age, I will curb perhaps its observation somewhat over 
but the wood was every cursed of Spanish wood. Spanish awoke was it descended by swollen by any unnatural means. In reading the above sentence of Curry Safferman, of an old weather beaten Dutch navigator comes full upon my recollection, it is sure he must he was wouldn't say when any doubt was entertained of his philosophy, sure as it is a sea that the ship itself will, will groan into bulk like the living body of a seaman. About the hour about an hour ago I was bold enough to thrust myself among the crew group of the crew. They paid me no manner and attention. Although I stood in the very midst of them all, seemed utterly unconscious of my presence, like the one I had seen in the hold all bore about them the marks of a holy old age. Their knees trembled with infinity. Their shoulders bent double with discreperation. Their shriveled skin rattled in the wind. Their voices were low, tremendous, and broken. Their eyes glistened with rim of the tears. Their grey hair streamed terribly in the tempest. Around them on every part of the deck lay scattered mythical instruments of the most quaint and obsolete construction. I mentioned some time ago the binding of the sterling cell from the period of the ship being thrown dead off the wind was held a terrific course through self with every rag of canvas packed upon her through the trucks of her lowered studding sail blooms and rolling every moment her gullet, top gallant yards arms in the most supporting hail of water which can enter the mind of man to imagine. I have not, I have just left the deck where I felt finding impossible to maintain the footing, though the crew seemed to experience little inconvenience. It appears to me a miracle of all miracles. But miracle miracles that our immense bulk is not buried upon at once and forever. We surely doomed to hover continuously upon the brink for eternity without taking the final plunge into the abyss. From the bellows a thousand times a suspenders man. The senses that I have ever seen would glide away the facilities of arrow sea gull. The colossal water and rear their heads above us with demons of deep, were like demons confined to the simple threads and foremost to destroy, and led to attribute these frequent escapers to the only natural cause for which account to such effect. I must suppose the ship to be within the influence of some strong current of pages. Undertone. Undertone. I've seen the captain's face to face in his own cabin, but the respected paid me no attention. Though his appearance there is to be casual observer, nothing that might bespeak him more honest than man. Like a feeling of impressible reverence, and all mingled with the sensation of wonder which I regarded him. His stature is nearly a whole height, that is, about five feet inches. His well-knit and compact frame of body, neither, neither robust nor remarkably otherwise, but the singularity of the expression that reigns upon the face is intense and the wonderful and thrilling evidence that old age is so utter, so extreme, which excites within my soul for it to sense a sentiment inferable. His forehead, though little wrinkled, seems to bear upon it the stamp of the years. His grey hairs are records of the past. His grey eyes are symbols of the future. The cabin floor was thickly strewn with strange iron-clad 
portfolios and mouldering instruments of science and obsolete long forgotten charts. His head was bowed upon his hands. He poured into the fury unquiet eye above a paper which I took to be commission, which at all events bore the signature of a monarch. He muttered to himself, as did the first seaman whom I saw to sort hold, more some of the peevish syllables to foreign language. Although his speaker was close to my elbow, yet his voice seemed to reach my ears from the distance of a mile. A flip in all in all in it were booed with the spirit of the ibud. The sky glided to and fro like ghosts of the buried cemeteries. The eyes have an eager and uneasy meaning. And when the figures fall out my path in the wild glare of the battle dungeons, I feel I have never felt before, although I have been I have been all my life a dealer in equities, have been bent and bribed the shadows of fallen columns of Balak. Tumor and prejudice until my soul had become a ruin. When I look around me, I feel ashamed of my former apparitions. Apparition, apparitions. If I trembled at a blast which was hitherto attended us, shall I not stand aghast at the worryings of wind and ocean to, to convey the idea which the words are made of? Some were trivial and effective, all the immediate night and a clarious of foamous water, but about, but about a league and a league on the other side from us, may be seen instinctly in intervals, so certainly rampants of ice, tearing away in the desolate sky, and looking like the walls of the universe. As I imagine the ship proves to be in current, it impelled can probably be given to the tide which howling and streaking by the white ice thunders on southwards with a velocity like the headlong dashings of con- of a cataract. To conceive the horror of my sensation is, I presume, utterly impossible, yet the curiosity to penetrate the mysteries these awful regions predominates even over my despair will recall of me the most hideous aspect of death. It is evident that we are hurrying onwards to some exciting knowledge, some never-to-be-imparted secret, Attainment is destruction, perhaps this current leads us to the southern pole itself. It must be confessed that a seldom suspicion apparently so wild had been probably probably in its favour. The crew drew, drew the crew paced the deck with equipment and unquiet and tremulous step, but, it, but there is upon their countenance an expression more the eagerness of uh, hope and uh, ap- apathy of despair. In the meantime, the wind is still in our poop, and we carry a crowd of canvas on the ship at the times lifted boldly from out the sea. Oh, horror upon horror, the ice opens suddenly to the right and to the left, and we are whirling dizzily in immense concrete circles round and round the bright borders of a gigantic amphitheatre. A summit whose wall, whose walls is lost in the darkness and the distance, but a little time will be left to us to ponder upon my destiny. The circles rapidly close small. We are purring, purring madly upon the glass of the whirlpool, amid the roaring and bellowing and shrieking of the ocean and tempest. The ship is quivering. Oh God!
Oh god, and going down. <laughs>